Remember when your friends told you about Envy on the Coast? How about Never Shout Never? Check. Check one, two. Alright, here goes nothing. If timing's everything, stop telling me you're taking your time. I know you're anxious, but you're running your mouth like you're five years old again. Or there for tomorrow. Your initial reply hit me undercover when I lost my head to it was out of its time, it was undiscovered as I caught my breath again. You were running out of These artists and more started off as unsigned bands, spotlighted in our monthly APR section. Do you want to be the first to know about the newest, coolest bands before they're signed? Then check out the brand new APR podcast. Hosted by web editor Tim Karen, the APR podcast features over 45 minutes of music from unsigned bands all over the world as well as plenty of insight as to what they're all about. Download an episode now at altpress.com slash podcast or subscribe through iTunes so you can start telling your friends about the next big thing before they beat you to it. Remember when times were better, when times were better than this. We never had to remember when times were better. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop, otherwise known as the Rat Pack. Well, these were a group of men whose entertainment careers, social lives, and private lives were interconnected and sometimes codependent enough that if you thought of one of them, you thought of the others almost automatically. The group have been described by cultural historians as essentially having owned a scene of the entertainment industry from the late 1950s through the mid-1960s. Today, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Cobra Starship, Gym Class Heroes, and The Academy Is could be thought of in a way as continuing that tradition as this generation's official rat pack of Fuel by Ramen, Decadence, and Crush Management artists. When you think of one band, you think of the others pretty much in the next sentence. You get the idea. For all of the celebrity spotlight success of the leaders of those bands, like Pete Wentz and Gabe Saporta, Travis McCoy and Brendan Urie, who are known for running around high-profile event to DJ gig to bad boy behavior moments at midnight, the Academy is have always been the one band out of that whole group that didn't seem to need to live among the spotlights and paparazzi camera flashes. They were the quieter ones, the more mm, mature ones, so to speak. If you want to continue with the analogy, the Academy is are the Peter Lawford of their Rat Pack. You can go look that up. And because of all that, the Academy is, for many of their fans, have always seemed to have more credibility than the rest of the bands in the pack. And I'll let all the bands and the fans argue amongst themselves about what the word credibility means. Three albums, several EPs, and a couple of loops around the world touring since they formed in suburban Chicago in the spring of 2003, the Academy is made headlines recently when a simple quotation from the band saying they wanted to take a break for a bit was turned into the band claiming they were going on hiatus 
for an indefinite amount of time by a hyperventilating press outlet. So, take dramatic though incorrect quotes plus internet equals the Academy is, is breaking up. Which is not true, by the way. Quickly creeping up to 25 years old, lead singer William Beckett began it all by playing around with guitar and melodies in his basement as a kid while his sister played music critics sitting behind him. In high school, he became a pure volume sensation with an emo-filled album's worth of material under the name Remember Maine. In his senior year, Beckett and guitarist friend Mike Carton put together the first formation of The Academy, its original first name, with bassist Adam Siska, A.J. Latrace on rhythm guitar, and drummer Michael Del Principe popping out a self-titled six-song EP in 2004 under the local LLR recordings. Becoming a part of the initial Chicago-area Rat Pack Fall Out Boy crowd, Pete Wentz and others liked Beckett's new sound and helped get the band's side to fuel by ramen, bringing along the is of the Academy is, after discovering another band had already claimed the mountaintop for the proper name. Recording in Florida with producer Paul Weisner, noted for like Dashboard Confessionals, Something Corporate, and Under Oath works, the band released their first full-length almost here in 2005. This record, with its many melodic into the base of your skull singles like Check Marks, Slow Down, and Black Mamba, solidified the band's sound, fan base, and character as Beckett quickly became known for his six foot three inch rock star onstage prance and schoolboy vulnerable looks. The band suffered a lineup change before they could tour this album, though, with Tom Conrad replacing Latrace on rhythm guitar and Andy Mrotek also known as The Butcher, easier to say, replacing Del Principe on drums. A year later, more changes were to occur, with Conrad now leaving the band, or getting pushed out, depending on who you talk to, and Australian Butch Walker alumni Michael Guy Chislett joining as lead guitarist. Writing their next record over the course of 2006, the band traveled to Los Angeles, hooking up with Butch Walker for the production of their genre-busting next release, 2007's Sante, which gave the world more rocking, less sentimental singles like We've Got a Big Mess in Our Hands, Neighbors, and Same Blood. Funny enough, and potentially more frustratingly enough for the band, one of the more requested fan songs from this new sound, new record, was the throwback to Emoland tune, Everything We Had, a waving, lit cell phone in the air of a song, if there ever was one. Though received with mixed opinions all over the place, Santi, or Chop Chop as it was originally planned to be called, was the band's experiment to grow and stretch their wings, despite what their fan base had been demanding, which was, essentially, a request for Almost Here Part 2. Hooking up with pop tune masters Sam and Sluggo at the end of 2007, the band returned in August of 2008 with Fast Times at Barrington High, a record that its fan base latched onto and critics approved of, landing it with a debut at number 17 on the Billboard Top 200. Just check out the songs about a girl, the test, his girl Friday, and summer hair equals forever young, and compare those to what you hear on Sante, and you'll hear what the band's fans heard. Return to form, at least a form that they were demanding more of at their shows. 2009 saw the release of the amazingly hooky EP, Lost in Pacific Time. It's an overlooked supernova of a release which came along with a co-headline spot on AP's Fall Ball Tour. Both of these showed that the band was not only at the top of their songwriting abilities, but was also proving that they not only knew how to control and dominate a stage, they essentially own it while they're on it. 
In the November 2009 issue number 256 edition of AP, Beckett publicly admitted for the first time a long, often swirled around rumor of being a father to a two-year-old daughter, stating that he was more fearful of the media and fan spotlights of private intrusion more than anything else. The band is currently writing a full new record to be released this summer and a ramping up of their touring schedule as the year progresses. With Fall Out Boy really on hiatus, Gabe Saporta, a pop star, comment now, Travis McCoy writing a solo career, and Panic at the Disco split into Panic at and the Disco, the Academy is, are the one members of the pack, kind of like the turtle versus the hare, that are ready to slowly but steadily continue on in this crazy race of the music industry as we know it. A production note, William Beckett sometimes stutters when he speaks. He told me that it usually kicks in when he becomes nervous or he starts to concentrate too hard on what he wants to say next in a conversation. I asked him afterwards if he wanted us to edit all that out. Sometimes artists want things to be cleaned up. When he, you never know, you gotta ask. Anyway, he told me, no, keep it all in. He said he wanted his fans to see him for who he really was and hopefully accept him for who he really is. I can respect that. And so, here is William Beckett as he truly is. This is Mike Shea. I'm really honored that, um, according to recent reports, I get to have the last interview because you guys are breaking up. We're not breaking up. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, recent reports. Um, that was a, from a San Francisco story or something like that, or LA story. Because I remember seeing the original article about that just a couple of days ago. And I went, yeah, oh. it was funny because if you read the article, it doesn't say anything about a, a breakup. It's like, Adam, Adam's going on vacation. So, so you know, Adam's talking about what he's going to do. Um, so, I mean, we're just not really going to try and, and rush back into touring. That's basically what is the plan. Um, and, uh, and it takes some time and evaluate where we want to go with this next album and uh, really, and, you know, really truly focus on, on the music for this next album and and make it the best we can. I think the fight, because uh, I did see Adam write something about it, I think the fight was about uh, the word hiatus. Hiatus, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a funny word. Because when the people hear hiatus, they think, get up kids, hiatus. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're going to go away and raise alpacas for five years, and we'll see you when we feel like talking to each other again. Right. Uh, it's not It's it's not really the case. I mean, you know, we've all... We've all been through a lot over the past six years of this band and touring for six years basically straight. And a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, venues in these cities are like, you know, it's deja vu all over again, all over again, all over again. Because we've played them five, six times, you know, four years in a row, you know, sometimes multiple times in a year. Um, and while that's great and it's it's fantastic t- to see our fans you know there's an element of like oversaturation and a, an element of feeling um like it's not special and i want when when we come back with a new album and with a live show i want it to feel special i, I want it to be something that is different than you've seen before from us as opposed to touring uh 
you know, the same way as we have been for for the past half of a decade. It's interesting that like when you're a young band, you got a tour, you got a tour, you got a tour, you got to come through like even through Cleveland, there are bands that come through t- Cleveland three times a year. Um, and it kind of gets to the point where you start thinking like, oh, well, I kind of feel like sitting at home rubbing my feet tonight or I can go to the show, but they're going to be back in three months probably. So I'll just go wait in three months and go then. Exactly. So, but then when you get a little bit bigger, then people are like, why don't they go away? They're around too much. I'm sick of them. And so you got to like find that balance between where well, you got a tour to make money and not lose that buzz, but at the same time, you don't want to overextend your stay and be too uh, routine. Too available. Too available, yeah. You know, I mean, um, and to be quite honest, I think that we could all use a little bit of time at home and a little bit of time to reflect on on our lives individually. And I mean, we're, we're talking two months of reflection and start to write, or I could come, you know, I could go home next week and feel compelled to write the entire album you know and 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 get everybody on the phone and have an emergency you know uh writing session in chicago or in la so um you know we're very spread out across the country and across the world actually because michael's going to go back to sydney but um that's the great thing about gmail (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> and skype yeah and, and, and uh, all those etc etc video webcasts yeah um so we're never really out of touch you said something um when you were doing some initial press for shanti or santi um that um you said a lot has happened to us having a minute to reflect on us and our families has opened up my eyes that not much has changed about what i really need and truly care about it all comes down uh, to the basics of what I started with, which were family, friends, and love. And it's interesting because when you start out, you're like, I got a network, I got a network, I got a network, I got to do this, I got to like have all the, and then you meet everybody, you go to town, you meet Bob with the radio station X, and then you meet the MTV person, mm-hmm. the press person, and so forth, so on, and then they're all hanging on. <laughs> and then you kind of get to a point where, you know, it's like you started as a young band with probably 12 great friends, and then you become a huge band, and you've got 3 million friends but really you still only have 12 good friends and 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 to be honest that 12 has kind of dwindled to like six maybe really yeah i mean it's just time it's hard to to you know people feel less invested in you when you're not around and um i think that that's just an instinctual thing you really have to work hard to make a friendship or a relationship um uh um, flourish when you're away from someone physically. It's very difficult, um, you know. And for me, I've definitely lost a lot of friends that I, I wish I hadn't over the years. Um, but I think it's it's you know it's a casualty of, you know, of the, of the lifestyle, I guess you could say. And uh, it's. You know, it's not everybody that that has that because a lot of people just acquire friends and they're just great at being a social person and right. and, and keeping in touch with people. I mean, to be honest, I just got a Facebook two days ago, three days ago actually. Wow! For the first, yeah. Are you forty two so, now? Forty three now? Um. Well, that's thank you. I mean, you know, I've I've been exfoliating. <laughs> you know, so so. <laughs> Trying to I'm, keep I'm up glad my... to see the bus got to stop at at uh, at the body shop occasionally for you. Oh yes, yes. Um, the peppermint <laughs> mint mask is great. Um, it is. I mean, how many? 
how many of your old friends are you still in touch with? Um, I would say probably, I'd say like 10, 10 of my old friends I'm still in touch with, but they're the best friends that I have in the world. And I've also acquired some new friends along the way, um, living in the suburbs and having some time over the summer, um, to, uh, you know, get things in order at home. And, um, I've, I've got some golfing buddies now. Because I've been golfing. You're golf. Home. Okay, right up there with, with Will from Cartel. I think he's gonna oh, be the Tiger Woods of, of the whole scene. That's awesome. Um, I was getting pretty good towards the end of the summer, um, and there's kind of like an Indian summer happening right now in Chicago and in this area. So hopefully, uh, I can get in. You what, know, what are you up a, to? A round or two. Or what are you down? Right, so it's down to. Down actually. to. Yeah. Um, well, but before I left for tour, I was in like the the upper 80s, mid 80s. Which is like twelve over par, which um that that's where you lost me. But I get, yeah, I, I get okay. the eighties part. Anyone okay. you know, okay. all all four people who are listening to this podcast <laughs> that know what I'm talking about, you know, I, I'm I'm still an amateur. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long have you been playing golf? Um, I, I used to play a lot in high school. Really, um, were you on the golf team? I tried out and then I didn't make the team, so I was really upset. But I was new to to, to the school and. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Barrington's kind of like a, um, a little bit of a hoity-toity, um, self-sustaining Beverly Hills High School. Basically, it's 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 the only school in its district. They created their own district. Um, okay. Hey. Yeah. So uh, you know, so if you know, if Daddy doesn't know the, uh, you know, the sports directors, then uh, you pretty much have no shot to make the team. Uh, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so I stopped golfing because we were on tour and stuff, and it's kind of an expensive uh, habit. <laughs> it can um, be, definitely. It depends on how much you get into the obsession about the clubs you have. Yeah, I mean, I'm less concerned but you know, about the clubs. However, I, pr- I, sh- I should probably become more concerned because uh, the last round that I shot before we came out on the, um, on the fall ball was... Uh, uh, it was like a, a par three uh, again, nerding out, you know, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, nerd out. Go on. It was a par three. I had my seven iron out, and uh, and I hit the shot, and um, something felt crazy when I swung, and the head of the club flew off <laughs> about fifty yards down the fairway, and I was like, holy shit. I'm not sure if I can say shit, but I'm gonna say shit anyway. Sure, you can. Okay. Um, and uh, like seriously, I mean, it was it was like what just happened, and I was like, "Where's the ball? Where's the ball?" And the ball landed about 12 feet from the hole. <laughs> so, Jeez. You know, but I lost my seven iron, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I should probably look into investing uh, in in some new clubs. Makes a great story, and and somebody's gonna make this a Wikipedia entry. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I can only hope so. <laughs> what were you, I mean, when you're this tall, when did you, like, were you always, like, when did, what was the year that you, you like, boom, and you grew, you got height? Uh, I mean, I think it was probably sixth grade. Okay, and, so you went into middle school, high school, tall. Middle school, yeah. You are pretty yeah. much it. And so when you're in there, you, you're right, either golf, you can be on, basketball. track, or basketball. Yeah. And I play, uh, I wasn't very good at track. I'm not very fast. Uh, um, I'm not very fleet-footed. I'm I'm like agile enough to play sports and I can play pretty much any sport competitively not being great but I can compete 
But um, proof of 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 me running being a bad thing is in the big mess video. There's a scene where I run, and it. I really wish that uh, you know the quality control or somebody would have told me that it looked like that. I could have had a stand-in for you because I would have taken that out of the edit. <laughs> um, you know, I'm actually convinced that in ten years' time, maybe twenty years' time, you're either going to end up being a famous, uh, you're, you're going to be like a, a Nobel Prize kind of Pulitzer Prize winning uh, novelist. Uh, journalist of some sort because by then who knows what the hell the writing medium is going to be um you're going to be either a filmmaker or you're going to be a producer that's if you're not singing of course yeah yeah i mean am i off or are you thank like, you uh, um, or, or is there something else like you're into scrapbooking and you're that's gonna be it the i mean no no i i'm into scrabble <laughs> but that's just <laughs> i'm, I, I'm it not gonna be an olympic any... sport in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> it could be right um but it had to be a digital board you know uh, <laughs> no no tan you know nothing tangible here no wooden pieces come on how archaic to have wooden pieces in a um, a cardboard playing board but uh yeah um i really enjoy writing and uh you know not just songs um, I enjoy writing. I just wish I had more time for it, which is why I'm I'm excited to have some some time at home to you know decompress and finish some projects that I've been working on, um, and get moving on some projects that I've been dreaming up, and uh, you know continue to to be obsessed with film and <laughs> try and and watch a f you know a few more movies that I've uh, you know been meaning to just kind of tough on the road to do much of anything you're a woody allen fan aren't you yes i love yeah is that your is your, like, your like dry comedy is that your scene or what is i just your... like very you know like the the um you know uh self-celebrating dialogue you know like this this you know rambling decadence of you know he's like a you know it's like a word orgasm every time uh he writes you know i also like um, a lot of Tarantino stuff for the sure. same reason, because um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm the writer that I, everyone's always constantly telling me to like simplify, simplify. Don't don't you know like you need to simplify that line that's too complicated for the song. So um, I enjoy when I see writers in any medium um, being able to you know be as descriptive as they please and uh, and it working out for them. How do you get too complicated in your writing? <clears throat> well, um, a lot of times it's it's been filtered down uh, through mediums, and and I agree with 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 the choices once once I agree upon them. But and, and you know when you when you present an idea and and there's you know it's it's kind of like a run on sentence a bit um, of this you know a description and it's not very like pop savvy or, or any of that crap um you know uh that's sort of when when it it's kind of a bummer but it's uh it's basically whatever's good for the song when it comes down to uh to that stuff and uh, so uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to uh to balance you know the craftsmanship of songwriting and the um the indulgent side, which I tend to lean towards. 
you know, you've uh, you worked with Butch Walker and you've worked yeah. with Sam and Sluggo. Mm-hmm. Sam and Sluggo are pretty much, you know, you bring them into a room and they're, it's pretty much assumed that they're going to co-write. Um, and uh, and Butch Walker is is pretty hands-on. I mean, he can really take a song and turn it into something, a, a pop song, yes. basically. Him and Feldman are probably the two that can do it a pop song in two different ways. Feldman makes it for radio and I think Butch Walker makes it for posterity. Totally. So... Um, uh, was that something that, and there's a lot of, I hear a lot of managers saying, well, yeah, we're going to bring in so-and-so because I think that he needs some assistance or he needs to work with somebody to challenge him or stretch him or did anything like happen like that while you were working with either one of those two the, groups? Yeah. So well, the, 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 the crazy part about working with, with Butch Walker was, well, you know, we've been fans of Butch Walker for a long time and um, we like dreamt of having him do an album of ours, you know, back when we were writing Almost Here. We're like, yeah, I mean, wow, this Marvelous 3 album sounds awesome. We should definitely like do anything that we can to try and meet this guy. And it just so happened that um, our manager, once we signed with, um, you know, a management company, uh, they also managed Butch. Um so it ended up working out where we met with him and spoke with him and showed him some of, some of the demos for Santi and and um he he agreed to do the album and we were floored about it but at the time we 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 were also very very reluctant to have him co-write or have him write anything for the album so we didn't have him do anything for the album besides work the tones and he worked with me on some vocal stuff and mm-hmm. um it was fantastic and it was so much fun to work with him um but i kind of feel like we didn't really utilize what he's great at really you know um which is interesting and uh but i think that if you ask butch um he'd also agree that that he's he's very proud of the album and i think it's kind of a diamond in the rough and a few years too too early really yeah i mean if you look at the Kings of Leon album, um, uh, uh, um, the new Kings of Leon album, tone-wise um, and sonically, it's it's extremely similar to what we were trying to do with Amon Santi. Song-wise, whether or not the songs were as good, I mean that that's debatable. Um, that you know that Kings of Leon album's, you know, it's incredible and it transcends and it uh, it broke through and crossed over. Um, and Santi certainly did not. So, uh, so you know, there's something to be said about that. But you know, there's also nowadays. I think over the 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 few years since Santi, a lot of bands and and, and management teams and labels, particularly, are extremely, um, extremely adamant about co-writing. It's like some right. labels won't even put your album out unless you have co-writes on it with like dude a or dude b because dude a has a song with nickelback or dude b has a chris daughtry song or you know this guy wrote you know um which gives you a great you know boost of self-confidence yeah well certainly does (laughs) uh but (laughs) hey we love you um but we're gonna you know you need assistance but the irony is you know our our most you know arguably our most successful album and well-received album was almost here where nobody touched it. It was right. just us. It was just Mike and I. That was it. So um, taking that 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 idea and that perspective um, uh, into this next album is something that, that that's very important to us to to to. Because uh, you're doing this all yourself. 
right? Uh, isn't I read that the, the next thing, the EP, the will, EP, you're mixing and you're producing yourselves. Yeah. Um. The the EP that we just released. Right. This the one for the fall ball. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, then there's the one next year you're doing. That's it's a full length. Oh, that's a full length. Okay, yeah. all, right, all right. See, that's misinformation too. Like, uh, like all these things are popping. I'm up blaming on the it on the same source. I'm... It's from a San Francisco paper. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if if Adam was high when he did that interview, <laughs> but <laughs> let me ask you this. I, 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 don't, I don't, because we are on a good subject, but I, I but I, I do ask this occasionally. Um, uh, I don't know how many musicians I talk to and you, uh, you get them in a bar afterwards and they start drinking and then they sit there and they start telling me about how much they lie in interviews. Mm-hmm. How much have you lied in interviews? I've lied a lot in the past to just to, to, to try and, and either protect myself or protect the band. Really? Um, I mean, uh, um, I mean, probably the, the, the biggest lie that, that I've ever told in an interview was, was um, I did an interview uh, with... Uh, um, I can't remember his name right now, but it was like, a, um, anyway, it was really early on when, when my daughter w- 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 was born and, um, he straight up asked me, so like, do you have a daughter? Do you have a child? And I, I just said, no, that it was a lie on Wikipedia, which, um, I don't regret doing because to be honest, I think that certain things are sacred in you know in people's lives that that um especially now and 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 I can say that I give a lot to our fans I give a lot of 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 who I am and a, a lot of what um I I don't share with even my friends I give to my fans so at this you know uh so considering that and considering that I just wanted to keep something sacred and the well the most important thing in my life now um you don't understand the way that that feels until you're in that you know uh, you know until it's you in that's you know in the situation and um protecting uh those people are um you know it's it's exponentially the most important thing but um, you know, but you know, I, I was also scared. I was also afraid. You know, a young parent, um, and uh, you know, in the face of of you know people who I wasn't sure, I didn't didn't know how they were gonna judge me or or um or how it would re- you know reflect on the band or anything like that. So it was you know, I was I was scared, and I did what what um was instinctual not that my instinct is to lie but it was to protect um myself and and those closest um you know but since obviously i've you know um i've been more open about talking about it because um you know i just on this on, on the next album i i just really want everything to be uh like honest and and uh and it's it's going to be so if if it wasn't you know if it wasn't uh, um uh revealed in an interview it would have been revealed on the album anyway it's kind of like one of those things where um you know you you ultimately want to control the story yes <laughs> her name's uh, Genevieve yeah Genevieve uh 2 years old 2 2 remember the day she was born yes absolutely what did you guys do it at home or was it uh, no uh it, w- it was um it was at the hospital um we had to uh 
to induce. Oh, really? Because I was leaving for tour in uh, in a few days, and and Genevieve was was um was overdue, so she was, you know, she just she stayed in <laughs> when she was supposed to come out, uh, you know. But she's like her uh, like like her dad want to stay in the bunk, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's very stubborn, um, <laughs> just like me and her mother. But uh, you're but, an Aquarius. Uh-huh. How are you stubborn? Um. By necessity, by environment, <laughs> <laughs> must be the rising side. Okay, yeah, we're both um, w- uh, um, we're both Aquarius. Christine and I are both Aquarius, which is crazy. I don't really know anything it's about. Compatible? Is it compatibility? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Aquarius, that, Aquarius. That's good. But that makes daughter, sense. Your daughter's a Virgo. Yes, that's going to be the interesting one. I guess we'll find out. She's uh, she's incredible. Here, I'll show you a little. Oh wow, that's right out of a magazine. Yeah, she's she's that's the beautiful. Um, Guys, yeah, if you so, saw that, you'd sit there and say, "This is beautiful." This is yeah. She's a beautiful, beautiful person already. Um, you know, so it's 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 something that's a huge part of my life, and and um and I don't I don't feel uh, reluctant in sharing that with people anymore. You know, I it's, I looked up um, Aquarius dad, Virgo daughter. And it said, um, you may be your daughter's first vision of what a knight in shining armor must have been like. Oh, well. And it also said, um, another one said, it's very much a case of two people bringing out the best or worst in each other. Interesting. I think that the, that, that, that that part of it's going to be more like in middle school and in, <laughs> in, in high school when, when I'm, you know, you know, I'm polishing my shotgun. <laughs> In the front, yeah, it's a whole different story. I mean, if it was a boy, it's a whole different story. But it's a girl, and I'm, I'm, I'm a complete pushover, a complete pushover. And really, she, she's definitely a, a daddy's girl. I'm not the the disciplinarian, that's for sure. So you're gonna be the one over the kitchen table with your spouse, going, "Well, I don't think he's that bad of a guy." I mean, mm, no, I think that that's when it it flips the script as soon as. <laughs> As soon as, you know, another man steps into the room uh, that, that, you know, or, you know, a boy, you know, I know how I was as a boy and it's... Uh, what if she wanted to date a musician? She could, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd be very, I mean, it, it just depends on the guy, you know, it just depends on how he is. I don't want to think about it right now. <laughs> Come usually on, this kids, is... No, 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 no. Usually kids end up being the exact opposite of the parents. So she'll probably end up being like... She'll be really into like you know like sh- what she'll probably be is like the captain of of the the Republican Club or something <laughs> in high school. See, it was so dreadful that I just couldn't even get it out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, um, you know, back in high school, your high school, um, I haven't really read a lot about what you were like. Like you know, you went to this, but you but you said you kind of you came into Barrington, mm-hmm. so you were you had moved into town. What was the deal? Yeah, um, my f- uh, my family moved quite a bit my whole life. Um, what did your dad do? My dad is an ADT re- repairman. Okay, okay. Um, so he repairs alarms. <laughs> if anyone so needs what's an alarm, <laughs> add him on Facebook. He's William Beckett Sr. and he loves it. He's a single guy, so you know any mothers out there that, you know, he's definitely on the prowl. 
we are uh, we joke around and uh, and everyone in my band actually calls him the milf hunter <laughs> so uh yeah my parents got divorced when uh when i was four okay and right. um i went with my mom and my sister was one and i was uh you know just a little guy and um we moved um around a few times at that point so i went to two different elementary schools um to uh thankfully just one middle school but we moved um houses while still you know being in the same school which is a strange thing um but uh then i was you know i went to, t to two different high schools um, um i spent uh, um my freshman year at um a schaumburg high school which is actually conant but it's in schaumburg and um sort of like rivals with with Barrington. I mean, okay. I, everyone was a kind of a rival with Barrington. Everyone wanted to beat the rich kids. This is a TV show. That's what this is. Yeah, you know? yeah. Wanted to beat the rich kids uh, and usually did because their teams weren't very good. But they ended up having a pretty good f football team and a, and a basketball team. But I wasn't a part of either of them. Um, and then I moved to Barrington as a sophomore and I was really into like skating and... Um, not skateboarding, um, you know, I know that the Tony Hawk's, a, a, you know, a, a tall man and is good at skateboarding, but I cannot skateboard for the life of me. Um, just the high center of gravity, just, it, <laughs> and long legs it doesn't happen. It, it just doesn't mix well. So I, uh, I used to do, um, what basically I'm pretty sure I was one of the guys that all the, the skateboarders thought was a pussy because I was doing inline aggro skating instead. But I liked it, you know, I thought it was your stylish, niche. you know, and yeah. yeah, and it's internish, exactly. So, um, I was really into that, and I was really into, uh, like, Alkaline Trio and, um, the Broadways and Slapstick and, you know, a lot of the early Chicago stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, no one at my, at Barrington had any, any clue about any of those bands, so... It was fine, and it took me a minute. I tried sports there, because um, my freshman year I was I was quite a baseball player, and is what I wanted to be basically was a baseball player. And um, um, wow, I did not know that about you. Yeah, I was pretty good. I hit um, uh, a grand slam and a three-run home run in the same game in my freshman year. So when and then my dad came to the next game, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna show you like how much of a slugger I am, pops." And uh, and I struck out like three times, and I popped out to the catcher or something terrible like that. Perfect. So he thought you were lying the whole time, and yeah, you know, just trying to you know gain my father's appreciation, like that uh, Decemberist song, right? That Decemberist song about the the kid that's like you know trying to win over his. His girlfriend he oh, makes really? a mistake on the on the court field and everybody's laughing at him because he screwed up. Um, the Sporting Life is quite name of it. Oh, okay. I have to listen to it. I, I haven't really listened to a lot of uh, on that band, but I enjoy what I listen to. Um, so then I tried out for the team, you know, for baseball and basketball, and um, I made the summer squad for baseball, and I was just really bummed out, and I was also going through like a lot of a lot of transformations my sister was having a really hard time in middle school there and she was having a hard time making friends and that really bummed me out because she was basically 
like it was just us you know and my mom it felt like it, um we were our only friends and once i wasn't there in school with her it was a tough time for her so um that was you know it was weighing on me and i wanted to be a good example for her and and um but i just rebelled basically from from anything that was uh school club oriented you know um all inclusive social accepting uh but um i still maintained um the grades that my mom wanted me to which was you know if i got a b i was actually i got a b and and my acoustic was taken from me um as Whoa. like don't get a b anymore so uh what was your what was your were you writing english was that your courses it was like yeah yeah um i was pretty good all around um math was tough it ended up getting tough um probably because i just didn't care about it and what you know i'm not very passionate about number crunching or anything like that but uh it was yeah it was it was writing and and creative writing and literature but um that was what i loved most in high school actually um i had a professor who who um gave me different assignments than um what the class was doing because i was writing like like these like really bleeding heart like exposing you know um emotional stuff like i was listening to a lot of dashboard let's just say that <laughs> and uh you know the first wave of dashboard yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like like you know this was army romance and uh you know but um at any rate you know he knew that i was just uh j just an emo kid and uh you know i got some separate assignments and and um you know and that was great because he just wanted to challenge me which is something that i think isn't around as much as it should be in schools the individual attention that you should be putting into um someone and their strengths and and you know you know harnessing their strengths and encouraging what they are good at while also challenging what they're not good at right on an individual level which is completely missing from uh the education system, um, among many other things, but we don't want to get into that. I don't think oh, we can go into it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was it. And I got really into being a nonconformist, like whatever people were wearing, I wore the opposite. I, uh, took my summer league baseball socks and I wrote all these lyrics on them and wore them in the hallways, like, you know, pulled up with like all of my, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, phrases of malcontent. <laughs> you weren't like the goth kids in South Park, were you? Um, I mean, people th called me goth. Uh, really? But I, I mean, I, back then there wasn't much of a different goth emo. It was just all synonymous. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fall Out Boy wasn't big yet, so no one could call call me like Pete Wentz or anything like that yet. But uh, um, Midtown was, was pretty big, though, so that was cool. And, you know, I had my little group of friends that liked punk rock and pop punk music and you know but i was also obsessed with led zeppelin and i, I you know i could I, and i got along with a lot of uh you know like the classic rock kids there were a lot of classic rock kids at Brighton actually but um and then i started music i started playing acoustic and, and like writing my songs and singing poorly but not caring and performing locally and um i got a lot of hate and mm -hmm. I got a lot of love from that. Actually, I got more love on the internet than I did on, like, on shows and at shows. Was that the Remember Main stuff? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Um, if you remember mp3.com, yeah. th- there was a time when... <laughs> way back then. Yeah, right. Way back then, <laughs> like eight years ago. <laughs> um, not, even, not, not even another decade. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is funny. 2001, if you can believe it. <laughs> um, you know, Y2K, it was like right after Y2K. It, right. it was basically right after people were relieved that, you know, that their computers didn't blow up and their bank accounts didn't go to zero. Um, they heard my whiny songs, and apparently they liked it because uh, on the the charts on MP3.com, I was number one and number two at the same time as far as streams, and um, it and started it started to catch up locally after that. You were seventeen, eighteen. You were still in school. So yeah, like sixteen, seventeen. So you were doing that. You started playing because the story is is that what I've read one version is is that you started playing songs and your sister started playing them with you. Um, no, she, yeah, yeah. She didn't play with me, but she would critique, like, my songs. She's the the one I could trust to tell me if it sucked or not. So, you know, I'd be playing in the basement, and Courtney would come downstairs, um, and I'd say, hey, like, I'm gonna play this for you, and she'd say, that's awesome, that part's really good, um, but I'm not a big fan of this, and that just plain sucks, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then I'd, I'd, like, okay, great, so she was kind of, like, my producer in the beginning <laughs> in, in certain <laughs> she, ways she got points before she knew she could get points. exactly right, right right and i'm sure that, that she feels you know slighted <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then where did you get from that moment okay to where all of a sudden you're number one on mp3.com it was it was just uh i don't know i mean i i made some demos with some friends of mine and um, and that was it. Like my good friend Johnny Minardi, who now uh, he works at Fibar Ramen, but he had a record label, LLR, which was a Little League Records, and he had a band called um, Five Hundred Four Plan. Um, it's right there in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And John Walker ended up being in Five Hundred Four Plan, and now he's in Panic or now Young Veins. Um, but uh, um, you know, so it was all really. It was it was a scene. It was like a real exciting, fast paced scene that was growing in the suburbs that uh that you felt a part of. That, oh like, yeah, definitely. Like we used to play. Like I mean, you know, at that point it was like um, it was bands like Knockout and Fall Out Boy and Plain White Tees and uh, my solo thing. Mike had a band called Jody f- from our band Mike. Um, and there were just these bands that were exciting and every Friday people would come to see us in this little VFW hall and it would just get more people every time. I remember playing their acoustic, um, you know, as Remember Maine, uh, a a bunch of times and, um, and I used to wear like a, like a sideways hat, you know, and, and like I had a lip ring for about a week and, um, (laughs) and, you know, I, I wore like semi baggies you know, and like, whatever. And uh, th- that was before my friend Nick Schmecka helped me out with my fashion. Um, <laughs> that that was before Nick saved my ass. So what what were the what were the fashion? How did he transform you into? He's just like something presentable. Like, hey, maybe don't wear those shoes with those jeans, or don't wear those jeans ever again. Basically, <laughs> so you know that, that's when I started wearing like girls' Gap jeans because guys' jeans didn't fit. You know, like the way that we liked it. 
Um, but again, that, you know, that's, that was, that was ages ago. Like, oh, what was it? 2001, 2002, ages ago, you know. You graduated high school 2002? Three. Three. So you were changing your appearance and your reason, you know, how the person you were, you were finding your own crowd. Mm-hmm. I basically wanted to be Conor Oberst. I basically wanted so to So how be. were the rest of the kids in the school treating you then? Like, oh my, like all of a sudden you come in and you're like... You know, yeah, it was like sophomore year to junior year. I was I was a different person. Um, I got called faggot a lot from the jocks that used to, you know that I was on the summer league with and and whatever, and they were just pissed. Um, they were also pissed because like I got a lot of attention from girls and from from their girlfriends. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was it was more just like the the bad boy thing, I guess. Like it's not like I like screwed around with all their girlfriends or anything, but. Um, was this where the Josh Santiago story comes in? Yes, and Josh Santiago was was one of those kids, um, but he was the kind of guy that that would, uh, you know, he was a senior, you know, like with a, a freshman girlfriend type of guy, like you know, not wanting to let it go, because <laughs> none of the you know the senior girls would talk to him because he's kind of a douche. But you know, but <laughs> people change, and I've changed an incredible amount since then. And I was I, I was kind of an asshole and self righteous and. I thought everybody had it wrong, um, and and that I had it right. And is the, is um, the story about that how Santi because originally it was called Chop Chop, mm-hmm. and then it turned into Santi. And there's a story that I read where you're talking about how you're attributing it to Santiago. And yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a term you tr- changed around to a positive meaning. Yes, is was, that true? Yes. Okay. We we, we just started saying Santi like like. To make fun of somebody or like, yeah, sure thing, Santi, or, or, you know, and then it's, it just became like a term of endearment, um, where we'd say it, you know, in a, a loving way or like a pet name way, or we'd, you know, have like a, a cheers, you know, if we were taking a drink, we'd say Santi is like a, you know, be well type of thing. Um, and since then, so, you know, the real Santi, Josh Santiago has gotten in touch with us and, like right after, um, right after almost here came out, he emailed me and was just like really apologetic and just you know, really, um, you know, genuine and you know that's that was one of my first lessons in 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 uh, you know, in humility to be like, you know, people change and 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 people are you know if people are acting out or if people are judging you it's usually because they have a bigger insecurity than you do um or just as much of an insecurity as you do so uh you know being quick t- to judge people um and uh and lash out isn't necessarily the right move um or the right thing we take two music breaks we're going to do one right now give me from your high school period when you were you know in the midst of Remember Maine, and you were transforming yourself and discovering those lyricists and those musicians that were going to continue to inspire you now. Give me um, two artists, two songs, um, two, like a separate song for each artist. Uh, basically, would have been your um, hit the play automatically, like you would have had on all the time. Yeah. Well, at that point, it was probably. I think Dashboard Confessional has to be in there because I was incredibly inspired by him. Um, and I'd probably say like... Which bril- song? I'd say Brilliant Dance okay. from the places you've come to fear the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that song. And then I'd, I'd probably say, um, um, hmm. I'd say The Cure, because I was incredibly in- inspired by The Cure as well. Um, and how about we do, huh. I was always into like, okay, do, um, do, uh, uh, um, there's a song, let's see, you're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm like terrible with song names. Why don't you do, um, we'll start with the, start with the record and then we can build off of that. Disintegration, the opening track on okay. Disintegration. Oh. Just, just play the opening track on Disintegration. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that is actually I think probably their the best high. record. Yeah. I think that's their best record ever. So this is our painful realization that all is gone Sidestepping has come to be a brilliant dance where nobody leads at all. Where nobody leads at all. And no picture frames are facing. You're measuring your minutes by a clock that's blinking eights. This is incredible, starving, insatiable. Yes, this is love for the first time. Will you like to think that you were invincible? Yeah, well, weren't we all once before we felt lost for the
remember Maine comes out, which I can't find anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you could. It's it's not available for purchase anywhere. Um, you gonna do anything with that in long one? Can you? Yeah, yeah, I own it. Do you, well, like, do you own it? Yeah, yeah, I own it. Um, it's just uh, it's just a matter of of like what purpose it would serve. I mean, it's 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 you know it's not very good um, quality wise. My voice is pretty bad. And the guitar playing is pretty bad, but. There's a certain amount of of emo- like raw emotion and like j- like just complete honesty in it, like you know, no inhibitions that I think um, is is actually missing from from a lot of music these days. Um, that I think that the rawness of it is is actually pretty endearing. Um, but I don't know if I'd release it um, again. Maybe if I did something else with it, like if I did another album. Down the line, I, I may, you know, re, you know, like do a package, you know, like a re-release or something. But uh, I'm not really thinking about doing that anytime soon. So get me from that to the academy. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, um, I, I was really into Led Zeppelin as well as as like you know. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Talk about Led Zeppelin. I've never asked a musician to do this on this show. But I want to ask you, um, because you guys are so used to hearing all the journalists and the liars, um, the same thing, um, about what we think about musician mm-hmm. careers and reviews and all that stuff. Yes. So tell me your feeling on Led Zeppelin's career, like on a music, like what's their best record? What was their worst record? Like if you had to sit there and give me a... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was probably most excited. What changed me and my perspective of of music completely was Houses of the Holy, I, I was like completely blown away by Houses of the Holy, and then from there, my stepdad had the box set, like the Zeppelin oh. box set, and he had the the Pink Floyd box set, and um, I wasn't into the Pink Floyd stuff at that point. Since I've I've gotten into Pink Floyd, but then I, I just it, it just didn't hit me that this you know not even nearly as as much as the Zeppelin stuff did. So from there, I I, I you know I went back to one and into two and three and those are great albums then i i kind of lost interest with like um you know coda and and some of those albums that were um just a little less uh i don't know just maybe a little less focused and when it got a little too out there like a little too lord of the rings then (laughs) you know and i love lord of the rings but you know mostly like a, a bunch of their songs are about lord of the rings if you didn't know i did not know that yeah okay over the hills and far away it's about Lord of the Rings, um, but that's from one of my favorite albums, Houses of the Holy. Um, you know, and and I just you know it, it was a band who released, you know, a lot of albums in a short period of time, and hit a pinnacle of their live, you know, their peak of their live show. I think was was like sixty nine and seventy, which was right in the beginning, and then I think that his voice kind of, you know, kind of tapered off, but the songs just got better and better and better. And um, and I admire that greatly. And they weren't afraid to try new things, and to you know, um, you know, it's it, it's hard to, to to say that they reinvented themselves, because it's kind of, you know, that was part of who they were. Every song was different, and you had the Jimmy Page sound on guitar, and you had the Robert Plant vocal, and John Bonham on drums. You could just n- tell right away, right away, that it was Zeppelin, like from the first crash you could tell that it it was bottom which is what i loved about it 
um, and what I still love about it that it, it's just so has so much of a of an identity of you know of its own, and that's what's missing now. And I, and I feel like it could be you know some of what's missing from some of our albums that I'd like to make sure that is there that we you know because at, at this point in our career we we know what we're good at individually in the band and we know where our strengths are and where we feed off of each other and i think that we just need to really capture that to make the best album that we can for album four and that's what we're taking some you know this hiatus for you know <laughs> you know if if by if by uh, you know hiatus you mean you know so some time off to 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 you know make the best record we can then then yes that's that's precisely what we're doing you're very very reflective for how many years you've been together i don't really hear a lot of singers talk like you with that sort of this is what's missing today this is what's you know this is what we're trying to achieve that is lacking within the so forth so on and you said a quote one time you'll start to see bands emerge as lifers and career bands not just a bag of popcorn freshly popped Mm-hmm. is that kind of like you were talking about Led Zeppelin I'm sitting there going you know I'm wondering if like you sit there and go okay you know some days like you're like maybe you've read about the who or something you're like okay this is where they went wrong so I need to make sure that I'm a lifer yeah I mean it's it's I, I think it's less calculated like I think it's more of a subliminal thing that that I see in in bands I admire and bands I admire are usually bands that 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 are progressive not like in a prog rock way but perhaps but for the most part just a progressive band they're moving forward they're they're challenging themselves stretching their boundaries challenging the listener stretching their boundaries which i think is just as important and when you see something emerge that's huge that like just blows out uh you know like for instance how you know how the the kings of leon stuff is just exploding in america right now which is so great because that band is it's one of the best bands around now and I've liked them, you know, since the really early stuff. So it's it's uh it's what it is is it's inspiring for a band like us to to see a band like that get you know where they wanted to be. Like and there's hope. Yes, that there's hope that that we don't have to sound like like, you know, um like uh like you know, like Lady Gaga to sell any <laughs> albums. Which is, you know, something that I think a, a lot of rock bands are dealing with. It's like, we don't sound like Nickelback, and we don't sound like Lady Gaga. Where do we fit? And that, that's like a, a big question. And maybe we don't fit in, in, the, in the mainstream sector. And if we don't, then that's fine. Because, you know, um, I love what we have. And I, 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 I'm extremely proud of where we are and what, what we've accomplished as a band. And it's only going to get more interesting from this point i mean we made you know like a raw album we made like like a a 90s rock album basically with santi and then we made like like a really tight pop album like like a pop rock album which i you know i love all three albums but for the next album i want to make sure that we're doing what we're doing because it's us and because it's what we want and um you know i'm going to you know and and there's going to be writing sessions with with writers and you know that's just the way that the game is right now and um 
But the, the difference is you can go into a room with a writer and you can do one of two things. You can dictate what's going to happen. You can be the writer that, that got you here. Or you can go in like a chicken with his head cut off and be a yes man and just follow blindly whichever direction they seem to think is going to work for your band because it worked for, you know, Nickelback, for instance, or, you know, it, it worked for, you know... Lady Gaga. Rock, rock band <laughs> C or whatever, you know. Right. You know, uh, so... You know, so you're kind of saying go into, can, go, in, go into a co-writing experience with 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 some spine, exactly. Like, and that's the way that we've done it, and and the way that uh, that that uh, we'll continue to do it if need be. You know, and but beyond that, um, you know, the relationships in the band over the you know over the years ha- have been like wobbly and and you know skewed and you know pretty much non-existent in some in some cases but i can honestly say on this tour we've 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 grown probably closer than we've ever been like even in the beginning like mike and i are very very close now and we we never had that in the past what 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 caused that i think that you know a lot of it has to do with uh just you know being being out here and you know, and like still touring and r- all these, re- you know, the realization that things are changing in our lives and things are changing in, in the music industry and in the scene itself. Right. And we're out here with, you know, Mayday Parade, who are cool guys and, you know, a pretty cool band. Um, but you see these bands as as years pass, you see these bands and most of the bands that started when when we started are broken up by now. And you you see that, and and you also see that we're 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 playing you know House of Blues again in Cleveland, sold out again, and like what was it seventy five percent of the tour is is a sold out right or or eighty percent of yeah. the, the tour, which is it's great. We're part of something that's 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 just as meaningful as as a tour was two or three years ago. Um, is it a different feeling for us? Absolutely. Because we're not touring with with Jim Class and Fall Out Boy and the bands that that we came up with. Um, Do you feel like you're a survivor? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, and it's uh, it's it's not over. It's not like the fight's over. It's not like I've won. It's not like we won music or anything or like won indie. You know, you know, being an indie band. Because uh, you could, because you could easily end up being like uh, like there's two ways to go. Yeah, bouncing Souls mm-hmm. or Dropkick or something like that where you just like, oh, we don't care, we're going to keep going. Yeah. No effects. You know, you almost like say you don't give a hell anymore and you just yeah. do what you want to do. Or the other one is, end up like those 80-year-olds and their friends drop dead every month, one by one by one by one. And the more that they end up being the last one around, they're going, there's a little fatalism that kicks in. You're like... Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It can go... You're absolutely right. It could, and it's all about your perspective, because you know it's the same. Like facts won't change. Numbers aren't arguable. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like these things are what they are. And the whole market's down for music. No one's buying albums. It's like we are in, like, like in the midst of of like, you know, it's like D Day for for the record industry as we know it. Do you do you do you hold yourself responsible for any of that? Do you think you did something wrong? No, uh, no. I mean, it's so you do. So you understand that it's 
Yeah, it's, it's all it's, at your it's hands. In, most of it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a natural evolution of where the, where technology is leading, where people, um, you know, get their information and get their music. I mean, to be honest, like people just don't get music the same way. I mean, a CD, and or even like a you know a cassette tape or a, God forbid vinyl. You know, these things are uh, are 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 becoming obsolete. I mean, and and they are obsolete. You know, uh, it's it's just it's just a different medium. But what troubles me is is that it's now an intangible medium. It's it's not something that you can touch. It's not something that you can experience like in your hands, which is what was so beautiful about going in and buying a CD or buying an album and bringing it home, opening it up. That new fresh, you know, like pressed paper smell is uh, is you know is is just like it's permeating throughout your room and your basement and your you know the <laughs> musty smell of of old socks and you you <laughs> pop it in and you turn it up to max and you read along with the lyrics and you just get lost in it. I just don't. It's just not very romantic anymore. Like on a computer screen, like. You know, it's like a CD jacket sleeve has been replaced by an apple on a screen, basically. And um, um, that's a little bit, maybe it is like the romantic in me that 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 uh, that feels like it's de- it's a desensitized medium. But it's also, you know, it's the information age. People are desensitized, I think, because there's so much information coming at such a rapid pace. Uh, and it's changing every day. People care about this one thing so much one day next day it's something else like balloon boy was the, the right. biggest story like on every news network and it was like a trending topic for like two weeks on you know on twitter and people just couldn't stop talking about balloon boy i mean granted it's a crazy story but at the same time it's like if you put things into perspective that is so irrelevant to to what is is the real are the real issues here and in our lives and you know i think a lot of things like reality television and you know um news programs particular you know particular news programs that are incredibly biased whether it be fox news that's incredibly you know right wing mm. conservative extremist and some of the cnn stuff is 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 obviously leaning left so it's like you have all these pushes and polls and influences surrounding you and what the internet does actually is it it kind of puts you above that in certain ways if you use it properly because you're not a slave to what the television is telling you you can get news from both ends and i do that i mean i go to redstate.org and then i go to you know and then i go to crooksandliars.com right, right and i read both extremes and i see what people are talking about that are really fired up about issues not just you know the kind of the washed over version that you get on CNN or the completely biased version that you get on on Fox or the biased version that you get on MSNBC it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of um people especially um you know in high school who don't follow current events mm-hmm. and um i'm just wondering like is there a benefit you think as a musician to follow current events to understand what's going on besides the music industry yeah i mean if and i'm not saying from an activism standpoint but it does it help you 
figure work with your career work, figure out your figure out where you're going to be in five years by doing those sorts of things absolutely i mean it's 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 just being real because the reality is is that music is only one part of of the you know of the pie you know uh it's only one piece of the puzzle when it comes down to life and when it comes down to what affects people on a regular you know on, on an everyday basis i mean if you want to make a groundbreaking album you need to know n more than just the music industry. I mean, if you know the music industry, that's fine, but it's not going to necessarily make make an album that that's going to change people's lives. And um, you know, it, it 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 might get you on the charts, but it's not going to get you in their hearts. You know, so um, what I'm what what I think a benefit for anybody t to be educated with with the events that are unfolding in front of us especially in this time when it's when the the most change is happening it, like rapidly things are changing rapidly and and uh and it's an extremely exciting scary inspiring time to be alive because you know while while there are terrible things about the internet and terrible things about our society and where it's headed and you know, like the fast food nation, basically. Um, while you have those things, you've you've also got, I, I think, um, um, emerging is this this hungry youth that 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 um, wants truth, wants to be a part of of what's happening around them, wants to make a difference in their lives and in other people's lives more than ever. Um, and the internet actually enables a lot of that network. It enables people to get the information that that they you know need. Um, try and 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 probe deeper into stories and deeper into fa you know what's considered fact and what's not considered fact. And uh, you know just it can it, it, it's an incredible tool to to uh, to uh, to you know um, to put the the pieces together right but it can also be used to tear it apart and to micromanage and get lost in minutiae even more than television so it's uh you know there's television on the internet now so you know and, and on your phone soon yeah. enough um you know uh we already kind of did it during this conversation how many times during the week um let's say you have a show seven days a week how many shows where you're doing a meet and greet afterwards do you have to correct fans with information that they heard on the internet, read on the internet. Um, just recent, like like yesterday, was pretty much the one day that I've had to do it. Um, because uh, there was this big thing about us breaking up, and I have no idea where that came from. Um, well, you know, I, I read the article, and I, I you know, it's it, it, it was more about the headline than it right. was about the story, which is another, <laughs> it's another reflection of 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 how the internet's bad and how 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 people just don't have the attention span to read an article and just you know it's it's the it's the twitter generation basically and i'm and i'm a uh you know i'm a yeah i'm i'm just as guilty as anybody well, we live in a world of accusation throwing now so yeah. it's like but it doesn't it, matter yeah. if it's true i mean how many musicians have as much as yourself <laughs> Going on a message board and read, and they said, "Oh yeah, well he went and screwed my sister, and she was 
17 and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and so forth, you know? And it's just like, yeah. you know it's not true, and but you know that somebody, it's now out there, so now somebody's going to believe it just because it's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's, you know, it's it's also, um, you know, there's a, a level of, 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 of uh, you know, People justify what they say, young people particularly now that, that have only lived life with internet. Like, internet has existed their entire life. And it's not their fault. They're a product, you know, I'm telling you, it's a product of your, you are always a product of, of your environment. That's why, you know, it's not your fault. You know, you, you, you are born into who you are and where you are. It's like, that's why, you know, I can't blame someone who's Jewish for being Jewish because they were born Jewish. Right. That's it. You know, like same thing with a Muslim in the Middle East. I don't hate that person because they're born in that place in that time with that belief surrounding them. You know, in the same way, it's like, you know, um, on, you know, on, on a level where, where people, um, don't see consequence as as something that that uh that exists when you say something to somebody i mean conversations that take place on the internet are nothing like conversations should be in real life you don't speak to people the way that you speak to people on the internet a, a lot of kids just are, are are incredibly rude and and you know um you know uh, selfish and and not in in a productive way you know, just like, um, you know, this, this sense of entitlement that, that is dangerous, but you, you know, but you, you also see, and you learn by example. And if you turn on the television and you see, you know, John and Kate plus eight or something, and it's like these, this couple who like hates each other, that argues with each other, that's raising eight children. And you, you see people failing. You, you, you turn on the television and you see like your favorite you know, sitcom host from the late nineties. And he's like, like a rehabilitated drug addict and, and like falling apart again. You see like intervention where people are like completely torn apart. You see like school of rock and, and shows like that where like your idol is just a douchebag. And you, you see these things and it, it engraves something into your psyche that it's okay to fail and that it's okay to be, you know, like to lower your expectations for yourself, because if the, you know if the bar keeps lowering and lowering and lowering, you don't, you know, you you no longer have to strive to 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 reach it. You just simply step over it. And um, I don't know if that's a good thing for our, you know our society. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm just I'm hopeful that there are people who who want to be educated, want to to not turn like, you know, to not turn out like our parents and, um, and to be, um, a more well-rounded and, and, uh, and full society. You know, if you go around and you you go on, um, you, you read a lot of, uh, um, like lifestyle pieces that come out in New York times or whatever. And and it's, and it's some parenting magazines. They talk about kind of like how your mom took away your, your acoustic Mm because you, because you gotta be, um, and you're seeing more and more parents stuff sitting there saying, I'm just gonna take away the computer. Yeah. And it's not necessarily to punish them, it's necessarily like go outside. Yes, please. You know, I I, I can't agree more. It's uh it's you know, it's it's a completely unpoliced 
um, uh, issue. You know, I feel like it's a parent's responsibility to make sure that their kids aren't on the internet for 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 eight hours a day. Like that's unbelievable. Would you know, like my like your you know like. Your mom and dad, I mean, like, my mom and dad, they wouldn't let me watch TV for four hours. Like, that's, like, that's pushing it. But being on the Internet for, like, eight hours a day is, like, you know. But then it's, like, how do I justify putting content on the Internet? Because I'm keeping kids on the Internet. So I'm, you know. You're the drug addict. You're the the pusher. Yeah, I'm a hypocrite, (laughs) you know. I'm a hypocrite. I have Twitter. I have a blog. I I encourage people to be on the Internet. But at the same time... uh, you know, I don't think it's my responsibility to, to, to parent our our fans at all. That's a parent's responsibility to parent their children. We haven't gotten to almost here yet, so I gotta like race real fast because we could yeah, take sorry, five hours yeah. here. No, 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 no. It's all right. No, totally cool. But I do what I need to ask this. Where um, do you remember the place and when you met Pete? Um, yeah, I met him at, uh, Knights of Columbus. No, it was probably the BTO, Back to the Office. It was this place where, where, um, I started playing acoustic for the first time outside of my town. It was down the road, and, uh, he was playing, um, this, this show. Was he in Fall Out Boy or was he in the band before that? It was Fall Out Boy, okay. um, and, and Fall Out Boy was a five-piece, but he came to a show, actually, that Patrick and I were playing, a, um, acoustic so patrick was doing some acoustic songs and i was also doing my thing at the same show and he was there and that that's when i've uh, um that's when i met him for the first time and then um like a couple days later i heard their first demo with like um a song called growing up on it and i was just like holy shit this band is onto something like for real and this this guy's got a voice like he he can sing and from there we you know I was a fan, and 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 Adam was actually um I'm one of their biggest fans. Hmm. He, um, he would basically burn CDs and stuff, and just like hand out the you know the Fall Out Boy demos in school, and just like get people to get into Fall Out Boy, you know. Um, and uh, in the meantime, you know, I was talking with Pete and Patrick more, and we were hanging out more, and uh, just playing shows together, and it was it was kind of just. But that's how it started, you know, at a show, and that's sort of where it'll probably end. At a show, yeah. <laughs> how did you? How did uh, the the uh, the the statement that um, you had to change the name to the academy is, is true? Yes, it's a legal thing. Yeah. Because of another band. Okay. Um. So you put out this EP, the Academy, and then so get me from there to almost here. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the two, they're almost like complete op. They're, they're just like extremely different. That's another one you can't find. Yeah, it's um, not. Well, at least it's not up on the major places. Yeah, you could go on like a torrent website and pretty much find okay. it, but you know, I don't. Let's not encourage that. Um, uh, yeah. So basically, we had this big idea, and we were really at that time inspired by like, you know, bands like Thursday and and um. Right like at the drive-in and stuff so we were trying to do like a little more of an aggressive thing but it was just naturally what was happening with the drummer and the guitar player that we had at that point and just sort of more more geared towards those kinds of beats and and those kinds of movements and i was really ambitious and it was like r- r- right out of of you know like right in the midst of my self-righteous like in my way the highway that this is this is how you should live you know that's how you shouldn't live 
um, mentality. So I wrote an album basically that 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 uh that well an EP like a concept EP that chronicled this character named the author who uh who basically was was going through this like submerged journey of self like trying to find who he was in a world where he d realized he didn't belong he was like a businessman that w you know w would wake up every morning and every morning but one morning he wakes up and he, he doesn't go to work he just starts running and at that point you know the the journey's not you know it, it can be taken as like a, a literal one or 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 one that he's having within himself but Anyway, so it was it was it was like pretty ambitious, like big thoughts and big words, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, um, not not you know not necessarily like crafted songs. But then you know, I really got into um, the format, and I was really inspired mm -hmm. by that first format album, um, and uh, and like a bunch of Third Eye Blind stuff, and really started getting into Muse, and you know bands that uh that had you know a, a craftsmanship to their songwriting and and um i got s submerged into the songwriting aspect of of music and that's when almost here came out i was just you know writing songs that were catchy things that i would like to hear in songs like hooks that i would like to hear in songs with lyrics of feeling like you know in, you know incomplete well incomplete uncompleted um, and, uh, and, and, and wanting that next step without knowing how to get there, really just knowing that we had to go for it. And that's one of the main themes of that album. Um, you know, which, which, uh, was, was not as judgmental as what I was going for, um, with the EP, but I was, you know, just a, a smart ass kid. <laughs> you wrote about, um, you said, a, you said a quote, that um here it is i do want to have a song that people remember where people think back and say that song reminds me of 2000 and whatever when we used to drive around aimlessly on summer nights and so forth so on yeah so a lot of bands right now are starting to go through that moment where you know sales are declining and everything it's not really their fault and they're sitting there going all right we had a hit record three years ago yeah do we go back and write that record part two do you kind of ever feel like I got to go write? I mean, I feel like yeah. I mean, I feel like I've 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 kind of been living in the almost here shadow for the past five years. It's like it's you know it's a feeling that I wouldn't recommend anyone uh, um, em, you know embark upon. It's uh it's but you know at the same time it's it's a reminder of you know uh, and you look at what the circumstances were when i wrote you know when we wrote the album and the circumstances were basically we were desperate to make it happen and i think that 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 in a strange way that that des uh, that desperation is back okay after having three albums and it's like i'm i'm more you know it's like a desperation in a different way it's not like a survival desperation but in, in in some ways it is um and one that like i'm i'm actually in negatively inspired by uh by a lot of bands now that i just don't want anything to do with really? i just don't want anything to do with what is happening with some of these bands and like 
What is like, some of these crossovers and like genres and like trying to appeal to like 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 trying to appeal to a demographic um, like blatantly and heartlessly. It's like we you know and, and and people could say that we that you know that was what we did on fast times but it's completely untrue what we did on fast times was was make a nostalgic album that chronicles times in my life from some of the best times of my life that i've wanted to close the the, the book on mm. and that's what it's about and 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 encouraging people that are in in high school to live every day like it's not going to be there tomorrow because that those days are there and then they're gone and and life after high school isn't that I mean it's not like the door opens and it's like freedom and you start flying and you sprout wings it's not that way I mean it's it gets harder life gets harder as you get older and responsibilities grow that was what we're trying to accomplish on that and I think that we did a good job you know doing that um it wasn't like like uh you know this this like maniacal you know um you know, um, was it George Burns from the The Simpsons? Yeah, it, it wasn't like a George Burns like, like master plan to like try and, <laughs> and you know, and like snag that demographic or anything. It was, it, you know, it came from a genuine place, and I, I just see um, a lot of these bands, uh, and and um, there's there's nothing genuine about it, and it just feels like it's a piggybacking, and. If anything, I'm inspired for this next album to, to to like shock people in a way where we're gonna make an album that is 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 you know big sounding that is 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 bigger than us and bigger than all of this you know so I'm not sure how long that's gonna take. A little technical question, um, detail question from the carpet that EP was mm -hmm. that was that done before um, Michael and AJ left. Um, or was it after? It was after. It was. It was. Okay. It was before Tom left. Okay. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was Mike and AJ, and they were gone after we recorded almost here. Like right. we recorded almost here, and then we we right. we said bye bye after the album was recorded, and and then we got, um, the uh, and then we got Tom and uh, the butcher in right. the band to you know, uh, and then we toured on almost here. Right. Okay. That way, and then in the middle of that, we did the from the carpet EP, and then soon after that, like while we started writing Santi, that's right. when we asked Tom to leave the band. Um, is it always it's 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 pulling a tooth when you're getting somebody out of a band, whether or not they quit or you have to get rid of them. Mm, yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's a hard thing. I think it was easier for us in the beginning to to like. And plus, you know, Mike and I had like our big, you know, our big ideas. And I mean, it was, it was more, I mean, not, I wouldn't call it a dictatorship, but it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of like that where um, it was, you know, you're either with, with us or you're not. And you either have to work as hard as we want to work and as hard as we're willing to push it or you're not going to be with us. And that was how it was in the beginning with, with Mike and AJ. And, um, uh, with Tom, it was different, you know. It was it was it was about relationships in the band and and just not getting along and not really, you know, him not feeling, um, you know, l l like he had a voice in the band. And then um, my friendship with him, you know, um, was it was you know a suffering uh, 
you know, it was like a, yeah, it was like a wilting flower kind of. Mm. Um, and that, that's, that's depressing because we, we had such an incredible, you know, like true, you know, friendship. Um, and since then, um, we've gotten back in touch and I did that acoustic tour and I, I took empires out on it. Um, his new band, okay, which, um, was, was great closure for us, I think. And we definitely hashed out a lot of our old things on a personal level, not even with him and the rest of the band. It has nothing to do with, uh, why I wanted to take him out and, 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 you know, um, smooth things out just because, uh, you know, I care about Tom and I care about what happens with his band and I like his band um you know so uh so it's it's very hard because you're there's a fine line between what the friendships are and what the business is and what the band you know and what's best for the band and best for the music and yeah I mean it's hard enough for a marriage to work between two people and a band is kind of a marriage between four or five people without the benefit of sex. <laughs> when, you're, when you're married... Or a least, manager to have them do the dirty work for you. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's hard to find the right, you know, group of people. I wish that we would have had that like Fall Out Boy did from the beginning. And they've had their problems, you know, in their inner turmoil, but they they it was important for them to push on with, with who they had. And... um I envy that in a lot of ways. Um, second song break, and then a couple more questions. Wrap this up. Um, give me the song, your songs. Give me the song that is most misinterpreted by fans. Um, there's a song called "Seed," which I think is pretty much in, uh, a, a misinterpretation. Um, the song is about a relationship um, on on the rocks, like like as it's falling apart with you know, um, uh, with, uh, you know, um, feeling like there's infidelity being, being, um, being had or feeling, you know, like, like you don't want to let th this go. But a lot of people took it as, um, as, uh, as like seed, at, especially after the rumors about, you know, me having a child. I think that they took it like, like it was about my relationship with, with, my lady and getting pregnant and everything. Um, but it's not about that. It's, uh, it's, um, I actually wrote that, um, uh, before it, it, you know, everything happened. So, uh, yeah, seed is, is probably one of the most misinterpreted and probably what, um, it's one of my favorite songs that we've ever written together. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, it's from Santi. What, give me the song that changed the most when you went into the studio and from when it ended up on the record? Ooh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real good question. Um, there's a lot of those songs that have, have kind of been tipped on their head. Uh, the one that comes uh, um, most most clearly to me is uh, Checkmarks, actually. Hmm. Checkmarks, from our first album, was uh, was originally written as like a swing, um, with like a swing feel to it. Really? So it was like, boom, boom. Mm, 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 you know like more like jazzy um and like like i sang it like real jazzy but we uh we straightened that out real quick in the studio once once you know we were like let's make this like a like a rock song like a foo fighter song and not like a like a 
you know, like a, a Harry Connick Jr. song. <laughs> so, uh, so that one probably changed the most um, uh, off the top of my head. Is there any type of music you wish you could sing that you can't? Um, I, I think that every singer would wishes that they could sing um, like Freddie Mercury, but <laughs> um, that's not going to happen in my, you know, in my life. But uh, I don't know. I mean, some things that I'm, I, I, I'm actually really really fascinated with the theater and with op you know like um opera but I, I can't sing opera um but musicals i mean that's one thing if there's anything that i um regret or something that i could see myself getting into for fun later in life is doing musicals um and performing cuz i love to you know i love to perform on stage i have that already um but uh were you ever on any plays i never was and Nothing. and but i was friends with all the theater kids and they're like why don't you try out you should try out but i was like you know i was i was too much of an individual to conform into even even the the, the theater so <laughs> you are a south park goth kid <laughs> so I was, yeah i was a south park goth kid god see this is this is a realization this is a realization that i'm just not sure how comfortable i am with um, who, who was your, who was your, who's your, everybody's got, everybody, some people like Weber, some people like, is there somebody that does, that's written musicals and things that you like the most? Yeah, I like Andrew Lloyd Weber's stuff a lot. Um, um, probably his the most, like, just cause it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously the most, you know, it's incredibly commercial, but, um, but I love it. Femme of the Opera, I pretty much know the entire thing. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Is, is this something that you're putting on in the middle of the night and everybody's got to listen to it in the, in the bus? No. No, uh, no, you're not that that's bad. That's not going to, yeah. Okay, all right. That, all right. That's, it's, it, it wouldn't be welcomed warmly. Do you have, do you, do you have uh, Glee on TBR? I don't. Oh? I've, I haven't seen Glee yet. Wow. Is and it good? Mus- yes, if you're into musical, yes, yes. But, then, yes. You, but I also saw Rent. Um, no, the, the rent movie that that was no the well the a, movie a, was adapted. always yeah rent movie sucked compared to the that play was, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was terrible terrible movie no I'm surprised all right a fan has to give you Glee Glee you can get on iTunes okay or, or probably BitTorrent excellent I actually have a uh, um I get the, uh um all the Top Chef uh season what is it five or six now. Are you a cook? Uh, on iTunes. No, but um, my lady is actually a f- fantastic cook, so I, I I enjoy eating very much. <laughs> so watch, you know, after this hiatus, I'm going to come back like 25 pounds heavier. You know, I think you should just call the record hiatus. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay. But not hiatus. We'll just do hyenas. <laughs> It'll be funny. Why, you know, go a little bowling for soup with it. I like it. Oh 
called William or Bill? Um, either way works, really. I mean, I've been asking myself the same question. I've got a friend who like does like social networking stuff, and he's like a, a, a total computer hacker, and he's... It's always good to have one of those in your life. Exactly, right? And it's always good to have one on your side. <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> always good to have one two. in your life. <laughs> that is part two, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good to have one... In your life, if he's on your side. <laughs> if he's not, he's, next thing you know, your bank account reads zero, and someone has 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 stolen your MySpace account. <laughs> Which, I don't know, would be a big thing anymore. It wouldn't, actually, right? Facebook's a bigger deal now. And not to be um, uh, Oprah-ish, mm-hmm. why do you refer to her as your lady? Lady? Yeah, it's, a, it's an um, odd I don't know. referral she's, she's my, point. She's my, my lady. Are you just girlfriend, boyfriend? Are you plus? Are you... Um, yeah, we're going to be married. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it's uh but we, we always call each other things that that what are What does she call you? abnormal. Um I'd, I'd, I'd rather not divulge. <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave that for the next Wikipedia entry. <laughs> um, you guys can just make that up. I don't, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, honey Bunny, okay? It's Honey Bunny. It's not Honey Bunny. Now, you, now you're lying. Now you're going back to what I, you did before. I do call her Honey Bunny, though. Well, that's all right. That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. It works. Academy is TV. Yes. There hasn't been an episode that I found since April. Yes. Is it done? Um, it's not done. I mean, it's done for now. Uh, to be quite honest, Jack, our camera guy that we had for a while, um, he, like, basically Cobra hired him, and now they have him, and they do their Cobra cam, which is a kind of right. TITV spinoff, because Ryland and, and Alex and Gabe were, were, were in a lot of our TITV episodes, because we, we basically toured with them for... A year straight across the like I think two world tours with with Cobra, and it was probably the most fun and the most fun band to tour with, and the band that we're probably closest with of all you know of all the bands. Um, but uh, you know, um, it just happened with their new album. You know, they were on cycle, and and uh, and they asked Jack to come film some some stuff, and um, you know, you can't blame a guy for taking a bigger paycheck. You know. So at this point, um, it, it'd, it'd be silly to to, to try and, and do a TITV at the end of the, like at the end of the tour, and we, we tried to to or, to organize something. But when it comes back, I want it to be big. Like I want to have it a big idea, like like more cinematic and less silly. Like that there are things that uh that that we've been brainstorming and something to to coincide with with the uh, movement of our next album. Hmm. Um. Because the industry is changing so much, um, are you finding that, um, I kind of get the sense from a lot of managers, that they come up with these great ideas, and then they realize by the time they get the idea into reality and the record is ready to come out, that it's already going to be an old idea. Either somebody's going to stole it, done it, or trends have changed again by then and now they're sitting there with something that's irrelevant I mean, yeah. it seems like everybody's racing to think of what the future is going to be and then it's kind of like somebody you know like uh you know um a director wanting to do a vampire movie now because by the time <laughs> that it comes out in a year and a half vampires are going to be cool anymore man it's going to be way beyond vampires it's going to be on to uh, werewolves Okay, well, well the, werewolves the, the, yeah, will Benicio be the sexy. Del, Del Toro's in that book with, a, with a, that movie with the Anthony Hopkins. Yes, that that looks will awesome. Be. Yeah, werewolves. Yeah, so yeah. werewolves will, you know, it'll be a werewolf revival. Werewolfrevival.com <laughs> So uh, so do you guys feel that pressure at all? Do you feel um, like not, when you're sitting there coming up with ideas, you're going, oh, crap, is this going to be... I mean, to... Not, I mean, not, not, not really. I mean, no. to be honest, uh, I haven't been impressed by what I've seen from a lot of bands lately, and um, um, it's just not really inspiring. I actually saw um, yesterday. I was put onto the uh, the new Thirty Seconds to Mars video, mm -hmm. and that is and that that's an inspiring video. I mean, it's it's awesome. It's it looks incredible. You know the the 
the um the theme with the song itself it's just like you know it's this youth rally it's just you know you know there's a scene where um they're playing and there's a scene where uh, where everybody's uh, 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 uh they're on their bikes and it's like a wide shot and in the background you, you can see the wildfires okay yeah yeah and it's it's like wow it's just really really relevant and beautifully shot and inspiring it's like a big idea and like this the you know this band is also an example my chemical romance is a band that i i respect um because when they go with something they go with it big and they and it it's you know it all makes sense when they do it um and it's not half-assed you know i think that we're kind of in a in a funk with 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 these new bands where everything's kind of half-assed. Everything's kind of just like half-effort. And I think that we've had that a little bit in the past just because we're, we're constantly moving and it's hard to like make a, a compelling video when you're on the road and you have to do it in like a day off. You're doing a video on a day off. Right. When when like, you know, um, you know, when that 30 seconds video was, was like edited in nine days, it took nine days to edit alone versus like shooting it. I mean, you, you can take two months to conceptualize a video um, you know, and to like work through storyboards or you can, you know, just like go with someone's, someone's, uh, you know, uh, treatment for a video and, and shoot it on a day off. It just, it can turn out good, but usually not something that I'd be like incredibly proud to show like film friends, you know? So you're kind of saying that, um, you're suggesting that even though technology is forcing us to act a lot faster that we should actually all slow down. I think that we need to slow down. I think we do. Because um, quality can't be rushed, I don't think. I don't think that quality um, music or quality film, I mean, if you look, I mean, My Chem did it right. They're taking, the, the, uh, 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 they took as much time as they needed to make their album. And it was, what, two and a half years, three years maybe, right, since since Black Parade? So how do you deal with that fear, though, that you are your expiration date yeah is going to come up um i you just have what to do you believe do, ignore it? you have to believe in yourself you have to believe in in your band and in your fans and um that's one thing that, that the internet can can afford you is that you can keep your fans updated with with what's going on even if it's like you know you know drunken ramblings at 3 a.m on my blog or if it's <laughs> you know um a video update or like playing a song acoustic like a new song you know like a new song acoustic on the blog or something like stuff like that um i think is what can can make you feel like you're still relevant um and perhaps as a result keep you relevant one of the things that speaking like relevancy is is one of the things i've heard said about your band was the thing that's kept you really um grounded with your fans it kept you as as a band with more credibility i guess is for as ambiguous as that term can be yeah, used. Sure. Um, is that amongst your brother and sister bands within the Fueled by Ramen, you know, previous decadence, the whole crush management, all that stuff, is that out of those bands, you guys are the ones that are less celebrity. Because yeah. you guys don't do DJ parties. You're not 
on every show. You're not doing red carpet stuff. You're not. The rest of the guys are all kind of part of that. But you guys never really went that route. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really who who we are as people. Like, I'm not like like I. I like attention on stage, but it's 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 more to engage. I like to be to feel engaged with the crowd and and to be uh, included, mm-hmm. and and to f- make them feel included in, in what's happening. Less like, look at me, like it's all about me. Um, uh, you know, maybe it's just the way I was raised or something. But there's, uh, you know, a guy like Gabe who's a natural, like a natural star. He just is a star. He exudes that. Um, you know, and he loves that stuff, you know, and, and, you know, a small part of me wishes that I liked it more or that I was into it more, but it's just not who I am. You know, I, I don't really, it, 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 it doesn't get my rocks off personally. Is there, um, you know, you're going to be 30 in five years, mm-hmm. roughly. Um, six years. Six years. Okay. I'll give you six. All right. I'll give you the one more. Um, <laughs> what, what, is there anything part of you that's uh, starting to freak out? No, I'm actually excited to to get into my 30s. I'll tell you why. Because of the genes that I've I've been passed, you know, so it's cosmetic that have been passed <laughs> onto me from my mother. I'm actually not going to look like I'm in my 30s, which is great. But um no, in all seriousness, I'm I'm looking forward to you know my 30s. I'm looking forward to being a part of my daughter's life. As she grows up and and uh, right. and trying to instill all the best things, uh, all the the tools that she'll need to survive, and you know, in a socially retarded um, generation that she'll be growing up into. <laughs> um, so I'll try and. and There's like, a book you need to read called Born Digital. I think I think podcast listeners have heard me say this before. Get that book. Okay. Because it talks born digital, okay. get anywhere, and it sounds uh, like something I'd be interested in. Well, it talks about the young the babies today being born that are their brains are going to be used differently than yeah. our brains are mm-hmm. because of it's crazy how everything is. Yeah, so um, but I've heard a lot of people recommend it for parents, mm-hmm. like new parents. Awesome, um, excellent. So I did my yeah good. Plus, I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen. I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with our band. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, with our country, with the world, with um, with uh, my family, with those around me, I think that there's a lot to look forward to. You know, there's a lot to look forward to. I I I I I, I choose not to dread um, defeat and dread like you know um, unhappiness because there's so much happiness in my life, um, and I don't want and I don't take it for granted. I I've taken many things, many many things for granted in the past, and I'm. Uh, I think that's one of the things I'm trying not to do now, and um, and uh, you know, having done all the touring that that we've done and seen our fans grow up, and some of them grow out of us, and new fans become fans of the band, and to see that happen, and to also see people who who are you know the parents of of the kids coming to the shows that end up talking to me for like 45 minutes after the show about like how much they like the band it's 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 all these things i think that and taking the the time to actually have those conversations are are what you know is what really makes me um uh grateful was there ever a song that you guys put out sante put out fast times put out you know almost here and you guys just thought all right well this was like 
you know, the last song we did in the session, we kind of liked it. We needed it. We needed a eighth, tenth song. This is the tenth song we did. And then all of a sudden, the audience, the fan base, loved that one more than you ever thought anybody would have. Yeah, I think that. Um, well, there's a song called Forty Steps mm. that is a B-side um, to Santi that didn't make Santi. I mean, it's not that it didn't make it. It's that we finished the album and then we went home to Chicago and then we wrote that song like a week after we had finished the album and it turned out to be one of our favorite songs and and consequently um and and you know by some some uh miraculous uh you know unfolding our our fans really really um really liked it as well and it was never on an album and we've been playing it a ton on this tour actually because we we did a a poll with um with our uh our club our fan club that um that uh asked them what song do you want to hear each day we would do a different song um and 40 steps one for like you know most of the uh most of the cities not tonight though <clears throat> not and that's not in cleveland is the other b-side for santi that we should have put on the album so the, the, there's two songs that should have been on that album that weren't um so i think it's telling you that whatever you don't put on your record is actually it's probably what we should <laughs> yeah yeah and there's a handful of those that, that, that didn't make fast times either so um you know i guess we'll see um i want to close with this because i think this is something that um not a lot of musicians think about and I, and I don't mean this for like maybe the musicians that are starting out but maybe the musicians that are hearing this that are like you a mm -hmm. couple records underneath their belt and so forth but I think there's something to be said here because you kind of get you, you get moved that machinery going in the industry and your career and everything the pressure's on you and you gotta like okay we gotta do the record we gotta do this this stuff and you're growing up and so forth <clears throat> and then you feel like you wake up one day and you feel like am I in control you know how do I get it back the thing that I got into this whole thing for in the first place before the attorneys got involved for publishing arguments and yeah. everything on the planet. But you said we were, you were talking about um, your, uh, one of your acoustic tours and you were talking about how much you liked performing in those small intimate settings Yes, versus four or 5,000 capacity places. And you said the vulnerability that I feel when I play shows like this, it feels like it opens my heart, to what music should be doing, which should be inspiring and fulfilling. And it seems like what you're saying is, you know, it's almost kind of like stop and, you know, smell the roses, one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's how that tour felt, because it was like, it was different, but it was kind of like a re, a, you know, like a rediscovery for me, because I started, when I first started, I started playing acoustic in front of people alone on a stage. And doing that again, on that tour and and being able to to just choose any song I wanted, choose any cover song I wanted, it was just like totally free and creative and um and inspiring for me to be able to to hold it on my own like that and to just like have that connection with fans if someone yells out a song, I can be like okay i'll I'll play that song whereas with the full band, you really don't you know it's not the same type of thing. Or you can just switch gears because, you know, you have a show planned. There's a show that's planned beforehand. And in that case, it's more of a, you know, of a spontaneous thing. And, a, and it was exciting because of that. And, it, um, it, you know, it also 
lended me a chance to 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 show our fans like an, an, you know another side of me almost like the real me you know um which i feel like i've gotten more in touch with you know in the past year than um than i uh i, I ever had in the past just um you know as a result of many things so it's weird, it's interesting you kind of felt like you had lost like they lost who you really are. Yeah, I mean, I definitely lost who I was. Like during Santi, I didn't know who I was, and it it reflects on the album. You know, it reflects lyrically. It's it's very like self doubt. Um, gets into you know who you are as a person and the way you affect other people by your actions, which is, you know, I don't regret at all because I needed that album to get through that time in my life. Um. But, uh, you know, since, I mean, to be honest, since becoming a father, it's, it's, it's changed so much in me that is for the better. Um, and musically, I'm, I'm extremely inspired to, to, to do something that we haven't done and something people haven't heard on this next album. That's, that, that's one of the main reasons is because I want, it's like, I want every, I want to show everybody that this is this is the real thing and that we're the real thing and um our fans that um you know that 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 there is there's you know a, a beacon of light amongst all the darkness that that's that's seemingly um swallowing um our individuals you know and and people when they feel alone they feel uh like there's nothing else, and I've uh, I've I've been there. There's there's, no, there's nothing else but the the darkness, and I want to make an album that people of of all walks of life can can uh, can you know you know reach around in the the darkness and and take that chance and maybe find a light switch on the wall or or a chain and pull the chain and the entire room illuminates around them. Then that's the feeling that that I got. Um, and that I've been trying to remind myself of, you know, every morning. I wondered if you, if the band had noticed how, if you had changed since yeah, Jimmy I mean, was born. You, you could talk to, I think particularly Adam and, and the Butcher noticed the most. Really? Um, and it happened with, with Fast Times. It was like part of the reason why I wanted to like put, put, um, to like do a nostalgic album and like, during those times in my life music was the most important thing to me like it affected me more than it does now because right. music you know now it's like you listen to a song with different ears it's not innocent ears you're listening you're listening to a song and you're without even knowing it you're picking it apart without even knowing it but then it wasn't about that it was just about being affected by the song and 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 like letting it letting it um take you somewhere letting it save you letting it uh, make you feel better um, or not alone and <clears throat> I wanted to make that album for for her and make that album for people right now because this generation that's 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 right after me it's the most important generation I think coming up hmm. because it's the first generation that 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 has been born you know digitally born basically and it's the turning point. It's either going to, you know, it's either going to go one way or the other from this point. And it's incredibly important. Um, 
it's probably most important for for people that are in my generation when they do have kids to to be as, as big a part of their lives as you possibly can. Being away, it's hard to justify being away, you know, because of all the the important things that I know I want to instill. Um, and um, but it, you know, it, but like I said before, everything that you become is 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 a result of your environment. It's a result of the emotions that you feel in your formidable years and and what's around you during those years. And um, that's also why I'm I'm excited to have some time at home and just eat up every 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 last second of uh, of of time with with Evie. So um, it's it's a it's um it's a strange thing to see uh to see all this stuff happening and 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 being being uh you know young and like you know and and to see where the shift is is going to take place and how it's going to end up and if I can be a part of making that um a better place that it'll end up in um then I'm going to do everything that I can t- to do it um yeah so I think some of those themes will become more focused and and prevalent on the next album and just uh you know still trying to work it all out thank you yeah thank you so much for for doing this ap podcasts are recorded at lava room recording studio in cleveland ohio a new york city quality studio at cleveland prices check out www.lavaroomrecording.com for more information on alternative press magazine go to www.altpress.com the podcast engineer is john walsh post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is all my fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP.